Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success real estate and follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I always tell people that you are the best feasibility study. If you're going to listen to what another person can put together for you, then you're kind of leaning on them a little bit too much. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Paul Larson. Paul is joining us from Spanish Fort, Alabama. He is the owner of Larson Real Estate and Investments and focuses on multifamily and RV parks. Paul is currently a GP on $35 million worth of multifamily and RV parks. Paul, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? Doing very well, Ash. Thanks for having me, man. 
It's our pleasure. Paul, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure, absolutely. So Paul Larson here out of Spanish Fort, Alabama. My company focuses on multifamily. We started buying small stuff, duplexes, quadplexes, 10 units at a time, built that up and stumbled upon a mobile home park. And that's when we fell in love with that asset class. So we picked up a mobile home park in 2019, small for what we're buying now, which was a 44 pad park. And what was so intriguing was, man, we've owned duplexes, quadplexes, and we're rehabbing these properties and turning tenants. These people actually own the mobile homes. So it was a big change for me from owning property to owning land. So I started sitting down and doing the math and looking at the maintenance and looking at different headaches that involve certain real estate. And I go, wow, this is great. We just have to cut the grass and maintain the common area. And the tenants take care of their floors, their toilets, their roofs, their sheetrock. There's no repairs. So I said, okay, this is pretty cool. So I dove in and just started going after these parks. Bought that park and bought a small RV park the following year and just said, you know what? COVID's here. That's the time that we purchased the RV park. People were kind of on lockdown. They couldn't move about like they wanted to. And the RV park assets started getting pretty hot. People could travel in their RVs. They could set up. So the supply chain was a little bit tough on mobile homes as we bought our mobile home parks to fill. We'd bomb 60, 70% occupied, so we'd have to build in homes. And it become a little bit challenging to fill the park with mobile homes. So we're like, well, people own their RVs, they have wheels, we can fill the park faster that way. So we pivoted. And just last year, my partner and I, Jeff, purchased a little bit over 400 units, which got us up a little bit over 600 units as of today. And a large majority of that portfolio is RV parks. All right. Hold on. You said you stumbled across mobile home parks. How'd you stumble across that park in 19? So I heard a little bit of chatter about mobile home parks. So I started putting the word out to a couple of people. And as I was meeting up with a broker, she had mentioned, she said, Hey, I actually have a mobile home park that you may be interested in. I'm not sure if you're looking for that. And I said, you know what? Matter of fact, I am. So I stumbled upon it by meeting with the broker, decided to have coffee and she took me to the park and drove me around. And I was like, wow, it was an off market deal. Everything started adding up. It was a mom and pop owner. The guy had it for 25 years, hasn't really done much to it. Haven't made really any improvements and haven't raised rents for the most part. So it had all the qualities that I needed for a value add project and didn't really know anything about it. Just took a shot in the dark. My wife said, hey, let's do it. We actually worked out a creative finance. We got the seller to finance the project. We rolled our sleeves up. We learned about the tenants, how to fill the park, how to manage the park. And once we figured out that process, we said, hey, let's dive in. And that's how it all started. Paul, how big did your multifamily portfolio get? Before I bought the first mobile home park, we had about 150 doors. And that consisted of a lot of quadplexes, duplexes. Like I said, we bought a couple of 10 units at a time and we focused in Mobile, Alabama at that point. So you were on your way to scaling that to an incredible level. Mm -hmm. And then you pivoted into mobile home parks and then you stumbled upon RV parks again. Now, are you all in on RV parks? Are you selling off your other assets? 
Yeah, I've actually sold quite a bit of the smaller multifamily. Obviously, we all know the market's been hot. We're getting some ridiculous cap rates, so we're able to get very healthy returns, and we've been going all in on RV parks. We bought about six RV parks last year, and I'll tell you the reason why we've gotten so heavy on that. The maintenance is much less. We're able to buy these parks at a great price. The cap rates are phenomenal. We're able to cut out a lot of the headache with many maintenance men that we need. If we have a, say, 50-unit apartment, we need a couple of maintenance men. We need managers. We need property management. We have to turn tenants. We have to make sure that we're replacing floors and painting inside. And we're constantly working on the, the property. It's a great asset class. But if you can remove all of that by just owning the land and getting a great return on that piece of property, when that tenant leaves... You just have somebody pull right in to replace them. So the cash flow is strong. We like to buy here in the Gulf Coast because there's no real seasonality. It stays warm pretty much year round. So we're able to keep our parks full pretty much every single month of the year. Are you still looking to acquire additional mobile home parks? Absolutely. Okay. So you're all in on both MHPs and RV parks. Right. What are the challenges with maintaining an RV park? I think that it's about being in the right market. If you're in the right market, you can keep your park full. And you got to look at it in two different ways. Are you going to be a long-term park? Are you going to be a short-term, a lot of transit? So we prefer to be more of a long-term park because we were mobile home park owners at first that transitioned into RV parks. So we treat them more like a mobile home park. We have great residents. We make sure that we check the RVs. We want 10 years or newer. We want to make sure the vehicles are nice. I mean, we still have great rules and regulation for our guests to make the park look nice. These RVs aren't cheap. They can spend a half million dollars on an RV real quick. So we're able to bring them in. We like to have maybe 60, 70% of long-term. That keeps the cash flow strong. And then the icing on the cake is the transit, people that are coming for vacationing. So you want to make sure your project is close to, say, a boat launch or has a boat launch maybe a kayak launch, close to Walmarts, Dollar Generals, close to things that are outdoors activity because RVers like the outdoor lifestyle. So you want to look for a couple of those amenities. I say the challenge would be management. You really want to focus on good management. That can make and break your deal. We've come up with a really cool process to put good management in place by recruiting people within the park, people that have been living in parks for 15, 20 years, a lot of times they need to be retired. These people already have a certain level of income coming in, right? They really enjoy the lifestyle. They understand these parks and how they work, and they take pride of ownership. They treat it like it's theirs. Keep a clean park, bring good tenants in, and make sure that it stays full. So I would say that probably the number one challenge would be having good management in place. And what about the physical maintenance of the park? So maintaining the electric, the plugins, the sewer, mm -hmm. what's the challenge with that? Or is it just set it and forget it? Absolutely. So that's the good thing. So I'll touch on a couple of points. Just like you named, what about the sewer? So it's all about the utilities, right? So you have roads, some are paid, some are aggregate, depends on the market. Some of the pads, which are concrete pads that the RVers will park on, some parks don't have them. They're not 100% necessary but it depends on the park and the market. You have sewer hookups and you have electrical panels. The cool thing is, is that's it. 
you don't have roofs, you don't have windows, toilets, you don't have sheetrock floors. You're not concerned about any of that maintenance. These people own their RVs, so they maintain those. So what we like to do is focus on the utilities during the due diligence. Okay, what does the plumbing look like? Does it have septic? Does it have city sewer? Does it have city water? Does it have wells? You can work with either or, but you need to understand what you're getting yourself into. Because if it has a bunch of septic tanks, we like to underwrite it as if we have to replace every one of them. So worst case scenario, if we have to come in here and replace every one of them, does the number still work? But the cool thing is, is you only have a few of those items that you have to pay attention to. So check your plumbing, check your electrical, check your roads, and you just focus on that. And then you can bring your electrician and bring your plumber in. So you really limit what you really have to focus on when you're underwriting or analyzing these deals. Do you have to have amenities? You drive by the interstates and you see the giant pond and RVs all around there. Do you have to have some kind of niche? Yeah. So our last two purchases, one's in Florida. So we're in Florida, Mississippi, and Alabama right now. We purchased right outside of St. Augustine, Florida, which is a great market, year-round residency there. We have ponds there. We also have ponds at a park that we purchased in Alabama, which is Baymanat, Alabama. We just put piers at the ponds and we filled the ponds with fish. The RV guys and girls, they love to fish. They love to kayak. We had some kayak launches at one of our parks. So these are a couple of amenities that are great. Another one you want to focus on is a bathhouse. People a lot of times won't use them, but it is a great amenity to have because you can bring people in that do not actually have the bathhouses, come in and install those, and you draw a bigger crowd. A pond where they can fish, you're a bigger crowd. Pools are nice too. We have pools at some of our parks. The pool is not absolutely necessary. Internet's a big deal. People like to have their internet available when they pull in. So those are a couple of amenities that are important. I'd say pool, internet, ponds, a place to launch a boat, a place to launch kayak. If it's not at your property, it at least needs to be close to it. Got it. Paul, can we dive into the numbers on your last deal? Absolutely. And this was 400 units? No. So my last deal that I purchased, we buy 75 units and up. That's what we okay. look for. So last year we purchased a little bit over 400 units or 400 pads, if you will. So that was a combined three parks that we bought. So the last deal we bought was right outside of St. Augustine, Florida. This park actually has 86 pads. It has storage in the rear. So boat and RV storage in the rear. And then it has a restaurant on site. We do not operate the restaurant, but we do have a triple net lease on the restaurant. So we have a great restaurant here in there paying a triple net lease. And also we have three acres that we purchased with the property and we already have a conceptual drawing and we are going to put boat and RV storage because in that market, after doing all the research, we found that there's not enough boat and RV storage. Everybody practically is hundred percent occupied. So that indicates, Hey guys, we need to jump in and, and go ahead and do this. And it crosses over very well with our park. So if people are going to leave to go back up north, they can actually park their RVs with us. And then we can turn around and rent that spot they're gone for for that certain amount of time, right? So this particular deal we purchased for $3.2 million, And we actually did a pro forma on this deal. And we thought we would bring in rents to about $750 a month. The current rent was averaging about $500. So we said $250 a month in the Delta is a good rent bomb. And we could do that immediately. Well, we negotiated on this deal for about six, seven months. 
we started negotiating on it roughly mid summer last year and closed on it at the very end of last year. By the time we closed on that deal, we were able to get rents to $1,100 a month because of rent inflation. It made us look like absolute geniuses. But I'll tell you, I have to give a lot of credit to the property manager that we brought in because she really knew the area. She understood, hey, listen, this is what we can really do. So the good news is, is that we completely knocked that one out of the park. It doesn't always happen like that, but it did on this part. So now this park is bringing a tremendous amount of rents in, way above what we anticipated. All right. That is insane. $500 yeah. to $1,100 a month. Yes. How do you raise somebody's rent that much without them wanting to kill you? Exactly. <laughs> so this park was not fully occupied. Like I said, we focus on mom and pop owners. They've owned the parks for 20 years. They don't really have much of a website. They're not really marketing. They haven't done a lot. So the number one focus we did was we're not going to bump everybody that's there right off the bat. We're going to say everybody that's coming in new, we're going to charge them the new rent. So we did that. The following 20 people that came in, we charged that number. Had nobody balk at that number. At that point, when we buy a park, we do what's called a town hall meeting. And we bring everybody into the park and say, hey, we're the new owners. This is what we're doing. We're looking forward to breathing in some new life and energy into the park. What would you guys like to see done? You know, well, are you going to raise our rent, says the old yeah. guy in the back? Exactly. And we tell them just like this. Hey, listen, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we give you guys a great community to live in. We're going to make sure we clean everything up. And yes, there will be a rent increase. We don't balk at it. We don't make a big deal about it. We just tell them it will be and you'll be notified. But before we go and do all of that, Aj, we want to show these guys who we are and that we truly care about them, that it's not just about money. We go in and we clean the bathhouses up. We put in certain amenities. We cut the trees back. We plant beautiful landscaping all over. Anything that's old, we remove it. We just go in and breathe life into the project and show these guys that, hey, we're not just coming in to bump your rent. We're giving you an amazing place to live that you can be proud of. And at that point, what's fair is fair. What is the market going to be, right? And that's what we have to get to. But we don't want to be slumlords and just bump the rent. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important. Anytime you purchase any kind of asset that people use, you have to go in there because they're going to be very uneasy, whether you're purchasing a multifamily, apparently an RV park or a commercial building, everybody's uneasy. They don't know what the new owner is going to do. And even people that have 10 year leases are like, oh my God, am I going to get kicked out? Are they going to raise my rent? Even though contractually the new owners can't, there's still that feeling of uneasiness. So I love that you guys do that and just show people you're going to make a lot of positive impact. So thanks for sharing that. $3.2 million purchase, more than double the rents. What was the restaurant bringing in before or was that owner operated before? The cool thing that worked out was working with the seller. I mean, that's what my background is. I was director of sales of a real estate investment firm before I started my company. We did a lot of wholesaling and flipping and those guys were phenomenal entrepreneurs and I learned a ton, but I got a lot of one-on-one with sellers. So I've learned that it's all about a win-win situation. How can we both win? How can you walk away and I walk away where we both win? That's when you start working as a team to see a deal getting done. So while we were talking to the previous owner, I said, hey, what are you doing with the restaurant? What's going on? What can we anticipate? Because I've been in the restaurant industry for 10 years. My wife 
Bond is from Laos. And we were in the restaurant industry for 10 years. We recently sold everything. That was her. She ran everything. She had her amazing customers and it was a beautiful thing for a decade. But I knew the business. I understood what went on behind closed doors and how to be profitable. So I wanted to really understand what he had been doing. And he and I actually worked together. He said, I'm talking with this broker and it's a restaurant broker. And this is the game plan. I said, man, that's a great plan. How about we do this, this, and this? And we changed a few things. And then the deal got brokered and we brought a tenant in, which it was unoccupied whenever we started negotiating. We brought this tenant in and they own several local restaurants. Their food is amazing. And we said, okay, we'll do this, this, and this to the property but we want a triple net lease and this is what we'll be responsible for. And this is what you'll be responsible for. So now it's bringing in $6,500 a month. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors. I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about when it comes to scaling your real estate business is lack of capital holding you back. Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Did a part of either you or your wife want to run that restaurant? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So once you severed ties with the restaurant business, you were done. Yeah, she absolutely loved her customers. They become best friends and family because we had open kitchens. So my wife would be in the open kitchen and cooking. We had a bar area where you could sit down and she did a lot of pho and Thai food and Laos food. And if you ask her what kind of food she cooks, she'll tell you, I I cook what I like to eat. So she loved the vibrant feel. But at the end of the day, we did it for 10 years. It was amazing. We went out on top and she helps out big time with the company now. Very cool. So $6,500 a month in rent. What are you responsible for? We are responsible for the roof and any water intrusion due to any of the outside work. And also we work with the roof. We make sure the roof is good. Any water intrusion due to the roof and any real something like a beam or any structural beams we're responsible for. They take care of taxes. They take care of insurance. They take care of all maintenance that becomes the issue whatsoever other than the roof and structure. 86 pads, I'm assuming 
a lot of the local people come to the restaurant as well. Yes, absolutely. Okay, because 86 pads is not enough to sustain that That's restaurant, right? right? Okay. That's exactly right, which is pretty cool. It's gotten a lot more popular is the tomahawks where you can throw the tomahawks. So they have a section in the back that they padded out and closed off to where people can do that as well. So it's been a big hit. Very cool. How does somebody get into the RV park business? And what are you seeing with cap rates compressing? I think that we're early in the RV park space, to be honest with you. It's early for the banks too. We just recently started getting financed by banks because we've been able to have a proven track record the past couple of years. We got really good at creative financing, but now lenders are waking up to it. They're saying, wow, this is a real asset class now. You'll see institutional guys that are buying these RV parks and the cap rates are compressing more in other asset classes. They're not compressing as much on the RV parks. Now, the turnkey stuff will. We don't buy turnkey properties. We make them turnkey. So we're able to take advantage of the compressing cap rates. We find off-market deals. Now, I will say this. We do work with brokers that have deals that the seller won't take them to market. And we tell them, hey, we'll pay both sides of your commissions if the deal works. Bring that thing to us. We'll sign anything you want us to and let us work with the seller directly. We'll do all that and we'll still pay you full commission as long as the numbers work. I love that. Earlier, Paul, you mentioned some value add, adding RV and boat storage. And you Mm -hmm. said you did a study on that. Was that an informal study or was it a formal feasibility study? I always tell people that you are the best feasibility study. If you're going to listen to what another person can put together for you, then you're kind of leaning on them a little bit too much. I get getting a feasibility study, but I think you should know that market or have someone that knows that market very well. So we do things as far as driving the market. We make phone calls to the parks. We learn what the actual occupancy is by talking to the managers. We do deep dives on finding out what's really going on. We do a lot of JV. We JV with guys like smart people, people that can wear the hat that makes sense. Find somebody in the market that you can do the deal with that knows that market like you know your market. And that's what we've been successful at. And Paul, besides the restaurant and storage, what other ways are there to add the value add approach to RV parks? So there's a few things. One is laundry, washing machine, dryers, right? You can make money there. Another thing that we are very successful at is arbitraging internet and cable. So we'll get for 86 pads. If you allow somebody to put internet in there, they're going to spend about $70. But we can say, hey, we'll offer it to you at 50. You'll get cable and internet. So for a park like that, we'll spend roughly maybe $1,000 fiber optics monthly, really fast, high-speed internet. And then we'll go in there and charge them 50 bucks a piece. It's optional. And out of let's say 80 people take it. That's $4,000. That's a way to make three grand. That's another $36,000 a year just on internet. And that takes no extra work out of our park for anybody whatsoever. So that's a cool way to make money. You have your laundry, which is a good way to make money. Storage is big. People need to realize that boats, trailers, don't let people just park anything. Keep your park clean. Attract the right people. And if they have things, they will be willing to pay for the parking. So you can literally, depending on your zoning and where your market is, there's other ways to do that. Let me think. What are some other ways? You can keep going. You can pick people's trash up for them. You can do all types of things where you charge. But I would say those would be the top three. It would be laundry. It would be internet and cable. Those would be the top two for sure. I love that. I never would have thought of that. Normally you think 
just rent out a cement pad and collect your rent. But I love all the value add approaches. You mentioned $30,000 a year in internet profit. Mm-hmm. Well, when you divide that by 0.07, that's over half a million dollars in value that you've created. That's right. That's incredible. And on that one property that you purchased for $3.2 million, what is it worth today? Now, I'll tell you that that's been our best deal by far. I really hate to share those kind of numbers because it gets out of hand. But honestly, if you do the numbers and you look at what it's bringing in now, because when we first started talking with the guy, it was bringing about 30 grand. Then when we closed it, it was bringing in 42. January, it brought in over 70,000. And then it's constantly going up. So add it bringing in seven to $80,000 a month, you take your 35% expense and you do about a seven cap and do the numbers on that. Yeah. Paul, do you remotely manage these or are they all within driving distance? So the ones here in Alabama, I have property management on each park. I have somebody that lives on the park. We have a great process on training. We also do weekly Zoom calls. So I don't have to go to the park. I do go to the parks. I oversee project management, but I like to train my team to do things that sometimes they can do better than I can so that I can look for the next deal and make sure that we keep our pipeline full. But each park has its own property manager. The park in St. Augustine, that's eight hours away from me. And it's been the most profitable park that we've had. Again, we bought it for three, two. It could be worth well into $12, $13 million. Sounds like you just have to get out of your own way. That's right. Exactly. You have to get out in your own way. We actually have a JV partner on that deal. My partner, Jeff, that I own a lot of these units with, he had done a deal with a guy named George and they own about 80 doors together. So he said, Paul, I want to offer George as a property manager, bring him in as a GP because he owns over 800 units total. Him and I own about 80, 90 doors, if I'm correct on that. And he said, I want you to talk to him and see if this would be a good fit. I loved him. I fell in love with the guy. He didn't know anything about RVs, nothing. He buys apartment complexes. So it's very simple. We taught him, we showed him, and he just fell in love with it. It was like a breath of fresh air, something new for his company. And he's been phenomenal. So we gave him a piece of the GP. And also we pay his company a fee, which we worked out at a good price. So we build teams to take these deals down with people that have the abundant mindset people that are fun, people that we we can hop on a plane and go to Costa Rica with and spend a week, right? Those are the people we like to work with. But we get down to business. We negotiate, we get the deals right, we make the cash flow work, we pay our quarterly distributions to our investors because that's number one, return of capital, right? But while doing this, we want to have fun too. We want to enjoy ourselves. So it's all about the team for us. Paul, with your investors, is it a typical GPLP split? It is. And is there a PREF? We've done PREF, but what we've been doing is giving a little bit more equity away because getting responses from everyone, they're like, man, I want more equity because we buy these properties, honestly, at 50, 40% ARVs, well below market. So when you look at a PREF and you look at being able to get some equity because of what we're going to do to these deals, we're going to double them, if not triple them in value. They win tremendously. And we want our investors to feel like they're partners and getting the most out of each deal. So we can do the next one and the next one together if they prefer to. And have you had any exits yet on RV parks? We're having two right now. Is there a typical hold period? Well, I'll put it to you like this. The one we're selling in Mississippi, December was a year. So we've had it for about a year and four months. 
And then the one on Dog River in Mobile, it'll be two years this March. Well, actually, it was two years March. So we had that property. So one we've held for 1.4 years and the other we held for two years. And I'm going to guess your investors are doubling their money. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Incredible. How do you find these deals? The value add mom and pop deals? At first, I used to drive parks and really spend time going by and driving them and trying to find who owns these parks, who's the management, how can I get in contact? And I just couldn't handle that on a daily basis anymore. As we started buying these parks, the projects became more hands-on. I did a lot of the project management at first, so I got very tied up with that part of the business. But we've done a really good job of advertising what we do. I'm not super big on social media compared to some people that are really, really good at it. But Facebook, I've gotten really good response locally with my hometown, my area. Not a lot of people are buying RV parks. So my partner and I, we're like the RV guys. And people think of us. So we mention every time we do a post, hey guys, if you know of an RV park or anybody looking to sell or any type of idea of where one could be, let us know. We'll pay you a commission or we'll kick you some equity. We've had a huge response. My wife actually has been phenomenal working with brokers. They find off market deals that aren't listed because the mom and pops are nervous about, do I don't want my tenants to find out about me selling. I don't want the town to know what if this happened, that happened. So we're able to put them at ease and say, hey, listen, don't worry about that. We'll work with you off market and we're able to get a really good deal that way. We buy these parks, we can close. And when you start building that track record, it really helps. But I think word of mouth has been our biggest return on investment when it comes to finding parks. And Paul, the million dollar question, do you own an RV? (laughs) I don't own an RV. I don't. But I'll tell you this. We absolutely love the RV parks that we have. We joke all the time, like, man, we would stay in these and have a great time. But right now I'm in one of my condos in Gulf Shores. We have short-term rentals that we go and stay in and then we rent out as well. So we kind of bounce around at a couple of properties that we have. And that's kind of where we spend our downtime. Paul, what's the hardest lesson you've learned in this industry? The hardest lesson I learned in this industry. A tough one. One that kicked you in the teeth. I would say wanting a deal too badly. Wanting it so bad that you overlook a couple of things. I talk to investors, especially new investors, that you can see they're salivating for their first deal. And that could be a wholesaler trying to get into flipping, or it could be a flipper trying to get into multifamily, or it could be multifamily trying to get into development. And wanting that deal so badly can get you in trouble. And it happened to me a couple of times. So I would say be patient, know your numbers, have your boxes to check off. Know that you are not going to buy this deal unless these boxes check off. That way you can do a 30,000 foot view and you can say, uh, on to the next. Or this one fits the box. I'm going to make an offer on it. And then whatever happens, happens. I love that. Paul, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right, Paul. What's the best ever book you recently read? Ooh, I love to read. I'm going to say recently, Who Not How? by Dan Sullivan. Have you read that one? Oh yeah. It's a life-changing book for people like us that are just, at least me, high, strong, wanting to do it all. And yeah. (laughs) You're preaching to the choir, man. Yeah. It was an incredible book. Who Not How, Dan Sullivan. Have you read Rocket Fuel? Oh yeah, absolutely. Good. Paul, what's the best ever way you like to give back? We give back at church. We love church. 
we're big with St. Jude. We like to give back. I play a lot of golf, so any tournament I can put together or be a part of for any cancer-related, especially children, St. Jude, I have a special place in my heart. We donate to several different places, time and money. And really, the time feels much better than the money. And also, I donate a lot of time to other fellow investors that have questions that want to get into the business or get to the next level. I've been helped by so many amazing people that I just feel any chance I have to give back to somebody else to maybe help out here or there, I jump on it. Yeah, incredible. Paul, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? I would say Facebook is one that I'm active on. That'd be Paul Larson. Look for the Paul Larson out of Spanish Fort, Alabama. I do have an Instagram. It is underscore Paul underscore Larson. That's L-A-R-S-O-N. I have a LinkedIn, Paul Larson, and LarsonREI.net is my website. Awesome, Paul. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day today, sharing this incredible journey from multifamily, mobile home parks, giving us all the ins and outs of the RV industry. I can't thank you enough for all of your advice today. Thank you so much for having me, Ash. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this with everyone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.